0: on curiosity stream i'm james burke i'm going to take you on a journey through time james burke's visionary series returns reimagined for our time now this is all uncharted territory the washington post hails burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the western world the new york times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another where do we want to go from here experience all new connections so what's the next connection with monthly annual and bundled plans find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com What's happening, everybody? Greg Ehrenberg here from Stochastic.com. I'm recording this video on a Friday, just one day away from UFC 293. So we're about to break down all of the fights here, talking about my favorite fighters to target for DraftKings purposes, as well as for Rainmakers. And then i uh, got a bet as well that I'm going to give out over the course of me talking about this slate. So as you guys come in, if you do me a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and also shout out to DraftKings Rainmakers, who is sponsoring our show today. If you guys want to claim a totally free starters pack, ahead of the NFL Sunday slate, we've got a link for that below. So totally free. You're going to get a pack that's going to include one player at each position you can build out your lineups with for the Sunday NFL slate. And then also, there is a link for the PGA starters pack as well. I know we're kind of in the uh, later stages of the PGA season, but still, there's a link for the starters pack of that below as well. Chance to win some free money, so why not take advantage of it? As for this slate, and a quick recap of last week's slate as well, because uh, first time in a minute that I really got crushed On an MMA DFS slate, I've been on a really, really good run over the last couple of months, and that came to a halt last week, primarily, because I was on the wrong side of the main event. I was more exposed to Sergey Spivak than I was to Cyril Ghosn, and uh, Spivak was the lesser-owned of the two. I viewed it as a pretty close-to-50-50 fight. It was either Spivak was going to land takedowns, and he was going to have success in the fight that way, or he wasn't, and Cyril Ghosn was just going to dominate him on the feet, and the latter is what ended up happening, because Sergei Spivak never really committed to takedowns, and uh, as a result, he just got smashed on the feet by Cyril Gon. So a uh, big L for me on that one. I was on the wrong side of it, but forget about it. And we move on to this week. And uh, the main event is a little bit easier to call for this late because we've got uh, Israel Adesanya taking on Sean Strickland. This is the most lopsided fight on the entire card as far as the betting odds go. Is he anywhere from like a minus 650 to upwards of minus 715 favorite right now? It's hard to see a realistic path to victory for Sean Strickland. Does he theoretically have a wrestling and grappling advantage? Sure, but Izzy's pretty hard to take down. His takedown defense for his career is 77%, and we've seen Strickland in some recent matchups that have been fairly close to a matchup against Izzy, a la the matchup against Alex Pereira, and what ends up happening in that fight. Sean Strickland never shoots takedowns, stands on the feet, chooses to trade, gets himself knocked out. It's hard for me to project him to shoot for takedowns in this fight. Obviously, Izzy doesn't have the same power that Pereira has, so I don't think it's a given that Izzy just does the exact same thing as Pereira does and sends Sean Strickland into the shadow realm or anything like that. But still, I think we have to very heavily favor Izzy to win the fight. Here's where I think we have more of a talking point, though. Izzy is $9,700 on DraftKings, and he's projected for 40% ownership. All those factors being considered, the price point and the ownership— He's my least favorite play on the entire card because this is a massive price point for Izzy, and he's not a great DraftKings scorer because a lot of his fights go to decision. He doesn't strike at a particularly high rate, and obviously he doesn't wrestle or grapple. The only takedown he's landed in his entire career was in the first fight against Alex Pereira. So then you have to look at some of these other numbers for Izzy. Only lands 3.94 significant strikes per minute, absorbs 2.88. Maybe this is more of a favorable matchup for him than some other ones, just the fact that Sean Strickland is... uh, Fairly poor defensively against elite-level strikers. I think that Izzy's just going to be able to pick them apart with leg kicks. And then uh, another thing, too, is that we saw, kind of like Sean Circling against Pereira, he just kind of walked into his power. But some of these championship fights for Izzy, you know, he knocks out Pereira, but still in his last fight, only landed 41 significant strikes in a fight that almost made it through two full rounds. His fight against Pereira, the first one, he lands 86 significant strikes, in a fight that ended up going the distance against Cannoneer, 116. Against Robert Whitaker, 79 in a fight that went to the decision. Against Marvin 96 in a fight that went to decision. Against Jan Blachowicz, 76 strikes in a fight that went to decision. So it's hard to expect any kind of crazy output from Izzy. For Rainmaker's purpose, we don't have to worry about pricing or salary or anything like that. Cool, go play him there a few cards. I have a bunch of Izzy cards that I got for super cheap when this fight was first announced. I got some like Izzy core cards for $2. I got some of his elites for like $25. So in that kind of scenario, I view those as being good values. But I don't want to play him at $9,700 for DraftKings Classic Contest, especially when he's projected to be as popular as he is. Uh, As far as cash game play... I think Strickland isn't a uh, terrible source of salary savings. at like $6,500 because I do think this fight is probably more likely to go to decision than not. So Sean Strickland could go out there, fight, go to decision, and put up, you know, 25, 30, 35 fantasy points in the decision loss. That's not bad for a cash game. So uh, I, as far as draftings go, I do prefer Strickland to Izzy. But, I mean, overall, it's a main event that I'm going to have about as least amount of interest as I could possibly have in a main event because of how I expected to play out on the feet and likely go-to decision. Co-main event, this is a great fight to target for DraftKings, and there's a handful of fights that I view as being fairly competitive that are very likely to finish inside the distance. This being one of them, I think the line is a little bit too wide between Volkov and Tuivasa when you consider the kind of power that Tuivasa has. In terms of the minute winner, that is going to be Volkov in this matchup landing 4.89 significant strikes per minute, only absorbing three compared to Tuivasa on the other side, who strikes at a lower rate than Volkov, also absorbs more punishment than Volkov, absorbing 4.46 significant strikes per minute compared to three. Striking accuracy higher on the Volkov side. Defense higher on the Volkov side. One thing that's hard for numbers to capture, though, is that Tuivasa has crazy power and he's also super tough. And maybe this fight plays out similarly to the Derek Lewis versus Volkov fight where Volkov is piecing up Derek Lewis for the entirety of the fight until the very end of the fight, where Derek Lewis ends up landing a Hail Mary knockout and a legend is born. His balls are too hot. He does the whole speech with Joe Rogan. He gets a title shot against Daniel Cormier. And that is still something that I think is on the table for this fight. So I'm going to pick Volkov to win, but just because of the power of Tied to Ivasa, I don't think he should be a plus 215, plus 220 underdog in this fight. Uh, So I'm going to play both sides in tournaments. As far as the ownership projections go, we currently have Volkov projected for 36% ownership, while Tuivasa on the other side is projected for 16%. So I think Tuivasa is a uh, pretty easy punt play to get overweight to the field on. Like I mentioned, the Volkov against Derek Lewis matchup, Volkov at lands him 121-39 to in terms of the significant strikes, but what ends up happening, Derek Lewis lands the Hail Mary knockout with 11 seconds left in the fight. Moving on to the—and by the way, I like Volkov a whole bunch too— but just relative to ownership, I'm going to be a little bit heavier on the uh, Tuivasa side. But a great fight to target in in uh, in DFS contests, both for Classic Contest and for Rainmakers as well. Winner should finish. Minel Kopp against Felipe Dos Santos. I mean, this just feels like a crazy step up for Felipe Dos Santos. He was supposed to fight on the Contender Series, and his fight Falls out. Manel Kopp has had three fights in a row in the UFC where his opponent has pulled out. So I think the UFC was just kind of like, hey, we have this body ready for you. Here you go. We've got a fight for you now on this UFC pay-per-view card. Manel Kopp, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is he has had some fights in his career at times where he's done kind of nothing. His first two UFC fights, by the way, incredibly difficult competition they gave him right out of the gate. His first fight was against now-champion Alexander Pantoja, so he loses, but what's concerning from a DFS standpoint, only lands 49 significant strikes and a loss there, and then he has a really competitive fight against Matus Nikolaou and only lands 61 significant strikes. So, what ends up happening after that. Cap gets a little bit more aggressive, has first-round finishes in back-to-back fights, wasn't able to finish his last fight against David Dvorak, the striking output wasn't super obvious but he did land a knockdown in that fight. Just because Filippo Dos Santos is so green and we know so little about him, could he be a stud? Perhaps. The most likely scenario, though, is that he is like any other fighter on the contender series. And I do pick Manel Cop to win this fight pretty, pretty convincingly. I think he's live for an early knockout as well. Dos Santos could be really overmatched in this spot. So uh, Manel Cop as uh, somebody who I think we should definitely consider as a payoff option at $9,300 for this slate, uh, not a whole lot of interest for me in Felipe Dos Santos. Another high variance heavyweight fight, Austin Lane against Justin Taffa. This was a fight that happened what, two months ago? And happened is relative. It was booked, and they fought for 29 seconds. Austin Lane eye pokes Justin Taffa. I was a brutal eye poke. Justin Taffa's eye was all kinds of screwed up, and uh, he wasn't able to continue. So they've rebooked the fight now. That fight took place actually longer ago. So that was June when they first fought. Now they've been rebooked for September. And Austin Lane kind of looked decent in the early going of that fight. Also, I'm a little bit biased here. Austin Lane is somebody who... I've been on his radio show he used to have in Jacksonville. I've been on that as a guest before. I've had a bunch of interactions with him. He's somebody I like a lot. Really nice, cool guy. So I'm going to try to not be biased here. But in those 29 seconds we saw, Justin Toffa was not able to really close the distance. I think a big thing that plays a factor in this is look at the size difference between these two. Austin, and by the way, not to say Justin Toffa is small, he's a big dude in his own right. But Austin Lane is a six inch height advantage, he's a six inch reach advantage. That's a long distance for Tafa to cover. So this is another one, kind of like with the uh, other heavyweight fight we talked about, Volkov against Tuivasa. Like, I think it's reasonable that Tafa is favored because Austin Lane has been finished in the early going in so many of his fights, and we know how big of a power uh, puncher Justin Tafa is. But, I mean, based on what we saw in the beginning of that fight, it was only 30 seconds. Should Austin Lane be a 2-1 to underdog? I tend to think not. So another really good fight to target, and I'm going to be a little bit heavier on the underdog in this spot, Justin Toffa projected for 29.7 percent ownership in our ownership projections. We've Austin Lane projected for uh, ownership in the low teens on the other side. So I like getting overweight to the field on Austin Lane. I'm probably not going to be underweight on Taffa, though, just because the 27 percent ownership on him also is a or sorry 29.7 percent projected ownership on him is a fairly modest number, but still I think this is a really good fight to target. It should finish the current odds for that. Let's see, at the time that I'm recording, Justin Taffa, Austin Lane, this fight is minus 220 to finish under one and a half rounds. And in total, it is, let's see, fight to go. Yeah, it is anywhere from minus 800 to minus 600 finish inside the distance. So reasonable thing, we're going to get a finish in this matchup. And I'm going to pick Taffa to win, but I think the line is a little bit too wide. So I'm going to be heavier on Austin Lane for DFS purposes. Also, Austin Lane, a great value. For Rainmakers, we could buy some of his core cards for cheap as a dollar. Pretty good value there, and somebody with with a KO upside. If Austin Lane wins, he's going to be in the optimal lineup this week. Here is my first and only bet that I've placed so far on this card. Anton Turcali against Tyson Pedro. I am not a fan of Tyson Pedro. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Turcali either, but Tyson Pedro is very low output, and he only has like a round of cardio. And what we've seen out of Turkali so far, he pushes a pace. He is great cardio and he's very tough. So, Tyson Pedro, I think he's going to be the better fighter in the first round. I favor Tyson Pedro to win the first round, but I favor Turkali to win the second and third rounds. And then also, if Turkali appears to be as difficult to finish as he's shown so far, like he fought against Victor Petrino in his last fight. And if you guys know Petrino, crazy power on him, hits super hard. He's a better finisher than Tyson Pedro is. He wasn't able to get Terkali out of there in three rounds, dominated him, put up a massive score for DraftKings, but Terkali did show off his toughness in that matchup. And if Pedro doesn't finish him in the first round, I think Terkali wins. So with that in mind, this fight is lined at close to a pick'em, and Terkali is somebody who I like betting. You could find him for as good as minus 106. He's anywhere from like minus 106 to minus 120 right now, so I'm betting on Turcali in this matchup. Love him for DraftKings purposes as well. I think you could take shots on Tyson Pedro just because his path to victory is going to be an early finish. That's how he wins all this his fights. But Turcali a really good source of leverage. We have Turcali projected for 21% ownership, whereas Pedro's projected for 30% ownership. I favor Turcali to win. This is a fight also that is favored to finish inside the distance. And if you look at the output of Turcali when he has success, he lands 6.97 takedowns per 15 minutes. You go back to his fight on the contender series. He landed 11 takedowns in his contender series fight against uh, Ocasio dos Santos. Has to make, they've they've given this guy the most ridiculous strength of schedule. So he wins on the contender series. They throw him into the UFC. His UFC debut was against Gileton Almeida. All right, cool. That went poorly, but of course it did. He fought against Gileton Almeida. Then he fights against Victor Petrino, another fairly well regarded prospect who hits very hard, could wrestle a little bit. Apparently has a good amount of cardio as well. In that matchup, Turcali still did land five takedowns against Vitor Petrino. So I'm going to pick Turcali to win against Pedro. Uh, Both sides, once again, do make sense for tournament purposes, especially because that 8,200, 8,000 price point. But I'd rather be on the Turcali side. Like If you guys are only playing one lineup, I'd recommend Turcali over Pedro when he's projected for quite a bit less ownership at that 8,200 price point. Carlos Olberg against Da Woon Jung. I would love to see Carlos Olberg step up in competition because I don't really know what he's going to look like against better fighters. We've seen him take one loss in the UFC that was against Kennedy and Sechaku, and also a fight where we saw that Olberg does not have the best cardio because Olberg looked great in the first round and then just totally was gassed out by the time the second round started. And then what happens in his subsequent fights? Fights against Fabio Sharon, who is simply not a UFC caliber fighter. Olberg wins, doesn't score the really well for DraftKings purposes, knocks out Tefan Chukwi. Then he knocks out Nikolai Negamarianu, but also these are fights that ended each in the first round. Then he fights Ihor Poterio, who's also not a UFC-caliber fighter. Olberg knocks him out in the first round. And now they give him Da Woon Jung, who's also like a borderline UFC-caliber talent. So I'm going to pick Olberg to win, but he's very dependent on a first-round finish to score because his output is fairly low. Outside of, I know his his significant strikes landed stats are really high, but it's really inflated by that fight that he had against Kennedy and Sechikou. If this fight gets out of the first round, I think we're just going to see low output from Carlos Olberg. So I'm picking him to win over Dawoon Jung just because I think Dawoon Jung could have success if he wrestles and grapples, but we just don't see him do that all that often. But we've got Carlos Olberg projected for 38% ownership on this slate. I'd rather be underweight to that mark. You can take some shots on Dawoon Jung in large field tournaments just for leverage purposes, but not my favorite play on the slate. Moving on. We have Jack Jenkins taking on Chepe Mariscal. Uh, one of my best cards that I've had results from the entire year was Chepe Mariscal's UFC debut. If you guys were watching this video at that point in time, uh, we were all over Chepe Mariscal against Trevor Peak. ended up betting him as an underdog, played a ton of him on DraftKings as well, barely had exposure to Peake, and he just crushed Trevor Peak. who also, Peake is really fun to watch, but not a UFC caliber fighter. So it was really bizarre, the ownership, and then also just the price that was on that at the sports books for that fight because uh Chepe Mariscal was an underdog, and then we also saw Trevor Peak was like 45% on in DraftKings contests. So uh it's rare that those kind of leverage situations pop up, but we had one that time. For this slate, though, I have to take Jack Jenkins to win against Mariscal. In terms of the output, I think it's going to be somewhat comparable on the feet, but I think Jack Jenkins hits harder than Mariscal. I also think he's faster than Chepe Mariscal. And then also if one of these guys is going to be landing takedowns, it is most likely to come from the Jack Jenkins side. We've seen him utilize wrestling, grappling in the UFC to this point. He also went to it on the contender series. He lands over three takedowns per 15 minutes. And Chepe Mariscal is somebody who we have seen take down a ton on the regional scene before coming to the UFC. So uh, Jack Jenkins, I think, is the more well-rounded fighter on the feet could it be relatively competitive yes but i still lean towards jack jenkins once we add in the wrestling and grappling element i do think jack jenkins wins and these lives put up a pretty good score because Mariscal could keep up a pretty good pace as could jack jenkins so jack jenkins at 8700 i do think is a viable spend-up option and definitely somebody i want to be targeting for rainmakers purposes as well jamie malarkey against john McDessey. jamie malarkey uh Somewhat exposed as a little bit of a fraud in his last fight, just from a standpoint of he was a massive favorite against uh, Naimov. Trying to remember what ended up happening. Oh, right. So it was uh, Malarkey looked great in the first round. He was also supposed to be taking on... who is he supposed to be taking? Oh, um, he had an opponent that fell out. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head right now, but Jamie Malarkey had an opponent that fell out on late notice. He ends up getting uh, Naimov steps in. To that fight, Malarkey closed like a minus 550, minus 600 favorite. And on DraftKings, he was priced at like seventy one $7,000, super cheap price point on Malarkey because he was expected to be a really big underdog in the fight that he was going to have. What ends up happening? Wins the first round, looks good, and just gets knocked out in the second round. So some concerns about the durability of Jamie Malarkey. We've also seen him knocked out by Jalen Turner in the UFC and then at other points in time, you see him get hurt and wobbled on the feet as well. So some concerns about the durability, but a fight against John McDessie, especially at the age of McDessie, I don't really expect that to come into play. McDessie isn't somebody who's finishing a whole lot of people at this point in his career. So I'm going to favor Jamie Malarkey to win. But at $8,900, he's not really my favorite payup option on the entire slate. He's viable. I prefer him for Rainmakers than I do to DraftKings Classic Contest, other payoff options i prefer to get to before I get to Malarkey. McDessie does keep a fairly high output. His age is concerning, but honestly, where there's not that many underdogs that I love, I am I think that McDessie at $7,300 projected for 16% ownership is at least viable because there's there's these underdogs like McDessie, Tai Tuivasa, Austin Lane, all projected for super low ownership at low price points. I'm not confident any of them win individually, but overall, I think one of these fighters should win and put up a decent score. So that's why I'm going to mix and match them. Picking Malarkey to win, but uh, McDessie's somebody I like getting exposure to in classic contests. Not going to play him in uh, Rainmakers, though. Nazrat Hackparast against Landon Quinones. And I used to be really high on Hackparast as a prospect. His first few fights in the UFC, he looked really good on the feet other than the fight against and Held. He lost, but he did knock down Held. And one thing we saw from him, is even though he wasn't getting finishes in his first two UFC fights, a knockdown for Hack Press against Martin Held, a knockdown for Hack Press against Mark Jacacy, a knockdown for Hack Press against T-Ball Guti, and you just kind of start to think, like, this guy's got good power. Eventually, it's going to translate two finishes, which did come to fruition against Joaquin Silva, ends up knocking him out in that fight. And then they start to say, let's give Hack Hakperast a little bit more difficult of competition. And then he gets flatlined by Drew Dober in just a minute in that fight. And that was when I kind of got off the Hack Parast bandwagon a little bit. Looked decent against Alex Munoz. Looked decent against Rafa Garcia. But we've seen this. Whenever he moves up in competition, he falls short. Loses to Dan Hooker. Loses to Bobby Green. Bounces back. Beats John McDessey. Same deal, by the way. Hack Parast lands a knockdown. Isn't able to put away McDessey. So there is a sneaky amount of power in Hack Parast. Another guy who I'm not going to be playing in DraftKings Classic Contest very much. $9,500 projected for 29% ownership. So I don't really like him for that price point. But for Rainmakers, where we don't have to worry about the salary, I think that he's a worthy option to get into lineups. Fairly safe to get a win against the newcomer in Landon Quinones. Three fights left to target, uh, left to talk about, I should say. Next one here, Blood Diamonds against Charles Radke. And I hate some of these fights because these are just fighters who are so inexperienced. They probably don't belong in the UFC right now. Blood Diamond is really only on the card because he trains at City Kickboxing. With guys like Israel Adesanya, Kaikara Franz is a training partner of Alexander Volkanovsky. So because of his relationships, he gets into the UFC, but his results have been so underwhelming to this point. He lost to Jeremiah Wells, who just took him down and finished him immediately, fights a Ryan Kosey. Kosey has since proven to not be a good fighter at all, but has his way with him on the ground, takes him down three times. The fight was taking place in the clinch for a lot of it. Super boring fight. So at least so far. You know, we've seen if somebody's capable of wrestling and grappling against Blood Diamond, they're going to win the fight, and they're probably going to submit him. Here's the problem with Charles Radke. He has a massive wrestling and grappling advantage, but he's 7-3 and three as a pro. He only has 10 professional fights. By the way, Blood Diamond himself only has 3-2. and two. He's only had five professional MMA fights. If Radke chooses to implement the wrestling and grappling here, I think he wins pretty easy and looks like a massive favorite and covers his price tag. The problem, though, is how can we be confident with somebody who is so green with so little experience to implement a proper game plan. Charles Radke, like, this is his UFC debut. We have very little data on him. He's 10 professional fights, and what we have seen from him on the regional scene, he doesn't wrestle and grapple all that often. He goes out there and strikes. He's a pretty good striker. He has ability there. I would overall consider Blood Diamond to be the more experienced and better striker, though. So what's going to happen? What is Charles Radke's game plan going to be here? I don't know. So with that in mind, this is a fight that, like, we could take some shots on in tournaments because... Maybe they stand and trade, and Blood Diamond's able to land a knockout, but Radke should implement a good game plan here, and if he does choose to wrestle and grapple, like I said before, he probably submits Blood Diamond and looks like a big favorite. It's just hard to trust him to do that. Shane Young against uh, Gabriel Miranda. This fight should be fireworks, and Shane Young had a massive weight miss to the point where I was concerned the fight wasn't going to happen this morning. He missed by like three and a half pounds or something about Shane Young. We'll say was it strategic to gain an advantage because Shane Young needs a win. If you look at Shane Young, he's on a three-fight losing streak. If he loses this fight, he's probably out of the UFC. So, did he strategically miss weight so he could have an advantage in this fight? Potentially, it is a it is a possibility. It's something to consider. He didn't look terrible on the scales when he weighed in on the fact that he missed by so much. But here's what really stands here's what really stands out to me about this fight and why I think we should absolutely be targeting in tournaments. It is currently minus one forty five for under two and a half rounds, and it is as high as minus two hundred to finish inside the distance. And this is a fight that's priced you know pretty in the in the mid range. Shane young is eighty six hundred dollars and then Gabriel Miranda is seventy six hundred. So I think the winner of this fight should score pretty well. And if you look at the fights of Gabriel Miranda, Lost to uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, a fighter who also I was on the wrong side of last week. I thought Saint-Denis was over in large field tournaments and uh, came out and he just steamrolled Thiago Moises. But I do think that we kind of could write off the loss that Miranda had against Benoit Saint-Denis. He's made massive strides since he got his ass kicked in his UFC debut against Eliza Dolesky Dos Santos. But Miranda's super dangerous in the early going of his fights. And even against Benoit Saint-Denis, he was able to have some success in the first round against him. Before Saint Denis just poured it on him and ends up knocking him down three times and finishing him. So Miranda's really dangerous in the first round. If he wins, I think it's a first round finish. But if he doesn't, I think Shane Young probably finishes him in the second or third round as Miranda starts to gas out. So a uh, really good fight to target in tournaments. I like both of them for Rainmakers. Going to play both sides in large field tournaments on DraftKings as well. A uh, really good fight to target and not one that's all that popular. We've got Shane Young projected for 24% ownership and Gabriel Miranda projected for 19%. So I think the field's a little bit too low on that fight. Final fight on the card, Kevin Joucette against uh, Kiefer Crosby. Uh, Probably one of my least favorite fights to target on the entire slate. I'm going to pick Joucette to win, but another one where it's just like a really low-level fight between two fighters making their UFC debuts. We've got no stats, no information on either of these guys. Have to rely at least a little bit on the betting data where Juicet's a little uh, slight favorite around minus 160 the time I'm recording. And then it's it's a fight, too, where I think books don't really know what to make of it because the fight is minus 150 to finish inside the distance, so kind of close to a pick em in that respect. And then you've got to slightly lean towards Juicet, minus 160 to win, so... We could play both sides of this in tournaments, like small shots on it. But overall, it's a fight that I'm not really going to be targeting all that much. It's uh, two fighters who I'm going to lean on some of the betting data and say it's like going to be a pretty close fight that's probably going to get into the third round, maybe go to the judges' scorecard. So uh, no real lean for me in terms of this fight when we don't have as much data on these fighters as we do pretty much everybody else on the UFC pay-per-view. So if you guys have any other questions or comments for myself, let me know below in the comment section. If you haven't done yet, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube shop. If you want to sign up for our MMA package, you get access to our MMA projections or our MMA ownership projections. There's a link below. You get 50% off either our MMA weekly or monthly package when you sign up for the first time. But, guys, thank you very much for watching. Enjoy the slate. I hope we all make some money. Good luck. See you back here next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?